You are listening to the Ebony Covering Black America Podcast Network. This is Holly Cotton, and you are listening to Beyond the Fit. The purpose of this show is to discuss common health and wellness topics to make sure that you become the strongest and healthiest version of yourself inside and out. What I like to do every month is research what awareness topics they have for that particular month. This month is April. So when I look up what awareness topics there are for April, one of the topics that came up was Autism Awareness Month. And actually it was called Autism Acceptance Month. And as a nurse, I have dealt with a broad spectrum of autistic patients. I was also a school nurse for a high school, and I was able to see the spectrum of autistic behaviors in ninth through 12th graders, as well as being a nurse and seeing, you know, the pediatric population. So I've seen autism through the lifespan. It's very common. And I thought that this was an important awareness topic to bring up because if you look at the risk factors and the percentage of minorities, specifically Black children that are being diagnosed with autism, it's actually lower than the white population. However, when you go into depth and you do more research about the percentage of Black children that are diagnosed with autism, they actually have a higher percentile of negative behaviors, the behaviors that are really hard to control, the outbursts, the emotional factors. So even though the risk is less for a Black child to be diagnosed with autism, there is a higher risk of if your child is diagnosed diagnosed as a minority with autism, that they will have a higher risk of the behaviors of aggression, of outbursts, things like that. And those are the behaviors that you normally associate with someone being autistic. So there is a huge spectrum of highly functionable adults that have autistic traits. And then there are the severely impaired autistic children that can't function at all. And they're not able to have basic common interactions. They can't be in normal situations. And that's why I think it's important just to understand what autism is and what are some of those behaviors? How is it treatable? Because it's non-curable, so you can't cure it. And then also the association with why Black children that are being diagnosed with autism actually have comorbidities is what they call it, which means that there's other diseases that go along with that. But most of the autistic children that are Black have other things, like they have a higher risk of mental retardation. They have a higher risk of the language and the behavior issues. So the short definition of autism is basically autism is called autism spectrum disorder. And Spectrum is a word that you hear a lot because it goes from very high functioning where they may just have a little bit of autism to completely not being able to have conversations, sit still, having the outbursts, things like that. So that's why it's called the spectrum because the sharp 
sweet version of autism is autism is actually called autism spectrum disorder. And it is a brain developmental disorder that is caused by a genetic mutation. And the reason why it's called spectrum is because you have high functioning individuals that have autism that are able to be in society and do things. And they just have certain things that they're able to learn how to have these coping mechanisms and these strategies and these ways to deal with whenever they do feel those behaviors coming on. And then you have your very low functioning individuals. And those are the ones that are going to have associated factors like retardation and not able to control their behaviors. They may yell, they may have verbal outbursts, they may do the biting, the hitting, aggressive behaviors. So it just depends. And that's why it's called spectrum, because no matter where you are, whether you're high or low functioning, you are autistic. Some of the common signs of autism are going to be those repetitive behaviors. A lot of times whenever they are super active hyperactivity, like they can't sit still. And also one of the key things that are a key sign for someone who has autism is they are extremely sensitive to light, touch, and sound. They may be completely quiet and all of a sudden there's a noise, a TV, a siren, or something like that. And it just sets them off and they start like hitting themselves in the head or moving around. Or a lot of times whenever you are dealing with someone that's autistic, you have to like kind of keep everything the same. No sudden changes in environment, no loud noises. You have to find a different way of speaking to them that they are actually comfortable with and they are able to communicate with you back because you want to make sure that they can also communicate with you. So there is no cure for autism. And the way that you deal with someone who is autistic is going to be that you have therapies, you have to figure out how to help reduce those abnormal behaviors when something happens. So what are the triggers? Defining what a trigger is, is super, super important. And also medication for depending on the the ones that are on the other end of the spectrum that need medication to deal with some of those aggressive behaviors and things to make them calm down. And also a lot of autistic children or at a higher risk of having seizures. So you may even see that type of behavior whenever you are dealing with someone that's autistic. I know as a school nurse, I saw a lot of times where they would call me to the classroom where they had, you know, most of the children that did have some type of developmental delays or some type of mental health issue, whatever it was, we have a section that was right down from the nurse's office and they would call me down and they might be having a seizure and I would have to give them medication. So it just depends on the level of the spectrum because a lot of the high functioning autistic children were actually in regular classrooms with students doing regular learning. And a lot of autistic children can also get very task oriented. So you had a lot of high achievers, like they were in honor classes and things like that. So just because you hear that someone is autistic, that doesn't mean that they aren't able to overachieve in situations situations. They aren't able to do, you know, on level things, stuff like that. And I think that they do have a stigma for that, which is why they have an awareness for it so that we can understand that just because you hear that, you need to know that that's not necessarily a death sentence and that they can't do the, the simple things that you and I do. So I wound up looking up how we can observe 
Autism Acceptance Month because I thought that was important. I don't have an autistic child, but I definitely want to raise awareness with my own children and make sure that they understand how to deal with their friends that may be autistic. They're going out into the world as young adults. And I want to make sure that they are also educated on how to deal with anyone that may be having outbursts or that has some type of developmental delay, whether it be mental retardation or something like what we're talking about right here. So one of the things that they recommend is if you have a small child under high school age, they have numerous books that are written about autism. So the key for Autism Acceptance Month is to educate the new generation in fostering acceptance and kindness towards the autistic community. And there's actually a book that they recommend about a fourth grader battling society with autism. So I think that that's really, really good. And I think that that's great that they are able to tell it from a child's standpoint. So make sure you're doing that. Make sure that you attend any type of events or awareness organizations that are in your community, especially this month. You're going to see they're going to have fundraisers. They're going to have different types of things, walks, educational events. So just educate yourself on that. And also when you're doing the education, I think that it's important for us to also practice a patience and a tolerance and an understanding. And I know that I struggled with that a lot, especially at the beginning of my nursing career, because I was from a small city in Louisiana and I wasn't really exposed to a lot of things. And when I got out and I started nursing and I was dealing with this broad range of these different mental health issues. And even now I still see new things and I'm still dealing with new things, even as a nurse of 20 plus years. And I'm still surprised by certain things. And I have definitely learned a patience and a tolerance, especially dealing with the geriatric population, with dealing with dementia and Alzheimer's and dealing with the outbursts and things like that. So it's just important for us to have an understanding when we're educating ourselves and just practice a little patience and kindness. So if this is your wake up call for that and to stop being crappy to people, I hope that we can take this as your wake up call, like calm down, stop being mean, learn some acceptance. People accept all of your crazy stuff too. So make sure that you are able to reciprocate that kindness to others that actually need it. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Welcome back to Beyond the Fit. I thought that this was interesting too when I was researching about autism. There are five facts about autism. First, the word autism is actually derived from the Greek word autos, which means self. So the literal meaning of autism is alone. And I think that that, like, that kind of made me sad when I look, looked at it because honestly, can you imagine being autistic if you're not. And then also for anyone that's listening that does have someone that is affected with someone with autism to deal with them and them not be able to say how they're feeling or them not being able to control how they're feeling and still having normal thoughts, but they're not able to control those behaviors and people are looking at them and judging them. I mean, can you imagine the isolation that you feel 
dealing with that. I think that that's really sad. But autism, like I said, it actually comes from the Greek word autos, which means alone. So I thought that was an interesting fact because I didn't know how they came up with that word as a diagnosis. And no known cure exists. I said that before, there's various treatments and the goal for treatment for anyone that is autistic is to help reduce the symptoms. Dogs are autistic friendly. So I thought that that was very interesting. And I can tell you that I know dealing with a patient population, I always, always, always see that animal therapy is a very common therapy for anyone that has any type of erratical behavior, anyone that gets easily irritated or they have those outbursts, a lot of times that they do have some type of pet therapy, usually their dogs, and it can actually help with their aggressive behavior and also safety as well because the dogs are, are able to identify when they are having those outbursts and they're able to calm them down. So that's a way for them to also be safe. So I thought that was interesting. And also it's more likely to occur with older fathers There's a study that reveals autism genetically occurs in more children with fathers over age 40 years old. So even though we say that men can have children until they die, which is true because (laughs) as long as they have one sperm floating around in there, they can reproduce. But I thought that that was interesting too, because we always want to blame the mother for the genetic disparities that you have as we get older, but they actually have a link that specifically says that fathers over 40 are are at a higher risk of reproducing autistic children. So calm down 40 year olds. And then also according to these, this five months, they say that drowning is a leading cause of death and people with autism spectrum disorder are found to commonly die by drowning because you have that spatial disparity because they're not able to identify. A lot of times they stay at a younger developmental age also. So whereas even though you're getting older and you're older in your body, sometimes their mind doesn't mature. So they don't understand things that are unsafe, like fires are unsafe swimming pools are unsafe. Anything like that with drowning or hurting themselves is definitely a higher risk. And just to reiterate why we're covering this, because Autism Acceptance Month is very important. One, there's about 70 million recognized cases of autism worldwide. That's a huge, huge, huge population of people that have autism. And because there is such a large population of people that are being diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder, they've done further research into it. And they are now realizing that whereas they thought that autism came specifically from just the genetic mutation, they're starting to have more and more studies that are showing that besides that mutation, there are certain environmental triggers such as heavy metals, antibiotics, different types of chemicals and drugs. And also the information that I researched about autism for, they even said that that extensive TV viewing can also cause a form of autism as well. I just think that that's interesting because, you know, you have all of these anti-vax parents who don't want their kids vaccinated because they're saying there's a correlation between vaccines and 
autism. And I just think that that's interesting too. We, we've always known about that correlation relationship between lead paint and certain things. If you guys know, they always ask about lead paint, lead paint, lead paint and stuff like that. So heavy metals, different things. So I thought that that was interesting that they're now doing more research into it and saying, well, maybe it's not just genetic. Maybe it's something else. And another recommendation that they have, and this actually came from an autism medical site that I was looking up. And and one of the recommendations that they have is identifying autism early. So if you're seeing that there are some different signs and symptoms, report those to your physician because you can improve the quality of life by finding out what can we start doing now to intervene? What can we implement in place? How can we have some behavior therapy or occupational therapy? Or what exactly do we need to do? What are those triggers that we need to avoid? Because the last thing you want is your child or your loved one to be you know, 15, 16 years old and they miss out on their whole life because you didn't report certain signs to the doctor and they've been trying to figure it out or they've had this life where you're constantly punishing them or yelling at them or they're getting trouble for things all the time because you think that it's just a certain behavior and they go and get these tests done and come to find out they're autistic. So make sure that you're looking at those identifiable factors and saying, oh, okay, well maybe this is not just him not doing his homework or this is not them being bad. Maybe this has something to do with a little bit more. Maybe there is some autism. Maybe it's a high functioning autism. So make sure you're definitely talking to your physician about that. April is also Sexual Assault Awareness Month. And I think that that's a very important topic that we should talk about, especially with being a woman. April is also National Child Abuse Prevention Month which is also a big thing that I have seen in my career of nursing. And I think that these are two very important things that a lot of times we overlook because society has basically normalized certain things. You guys always see the the movements, the Me Too movements, things like that, where people are trying to bring more awareness to them. So I definitely think that that's something that we will talk about in another episode. But just so you know, that Sexual Assault Awareness Month is also in April, and we definitely want to talk about that and highlight that as well. And what I wanted to close with is a prelude for what my next episode is going to be about. I am super, super excited because I actually covered a fitness event that is called Ebony Fit Weekend. And they go around to various cities and it's usually like a three-day event. They pull trainers in, they go to a Black-owned gym, and they basically set up and they have a variety of entrepreneurs that are there that are selling things. And they have all of these fitness people that are coming in, they're teaching classes, they're networking. And it is such a great event. And I love it. Every time I go, I just feel so positive. When I leave, I'm just, I love like my fitness journey. It just gives me the motivation that I need. I learn different exercises, different techniques. So it's a super, super, super cool event. I will have it tagged in the episode, but their IG handle is Ebony Fit Weekend. So make sure you follow them and see if they have an event coming up 
in your city. If not, travel to it. I'm telling you, you will not be sorry. And the reason why I think that this is such an important topic to do and why I actually covered the show and made an effort to talk to the host and some of the trainers and stuff is because I believe that it is so important to have a strong fitness community. Even though I am motivated and disciplined and I make myself go to the gym every day or whatever, eat right, mostly every day. (laughs) And I think that it's super important for us to also have a community of other like-minded people. And that's why I love events like this. And I love bringing awareness to those types of events, because if you feel like you don't want to go work out or you're tired or you're stressed out about something that's going on at work or at life or whatever. And a lot of times what happens is we talk ourselves out of having a healthy lifestyle. We justify not going to the gym. Well, I'll just rest today. Or we start negotiating with, with ourselves. Well, you know, I clean this day or whatever. I deserve this. I'm going to treat myself food. I'm going to do this, whatever it is. But when you have a fitness community where you are following people that are also into fitness or you are seeing people and surrounded by people. And whereas you may have this feeling where you don't feel like doing it and you don't feel like you have the discipline and the motivation today, and you look at someone else that maybe you networked with or whatever, and they're at the gym or they're showing a recipe to try, whatever. It's so important because what happens is you have this close network of people now and it can help help you change your health and fitness strategies. It can motivate you, stuff like that. So it's super important. And I think that it's a great event and I can't wait to air all of that information about it. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Welcome back to Beyond the Fit. I actually made a list of five things of why having a fitness community is so important. So first, like I said, the support. Sometimes we have a bad day. Things in life aren't going the way that we want them to. We fail. We feel like we can't go to the gym. We feel like we can't get back on track. So sometimes whenever you have that support system, it shows you that you aren't alone. Sometimes I will have a bad day or maybe I had a bad weekend or a bad weekend of eating and I'm like, oh gosh, today is my day one. Let me get it together. I'll look at someone's story on Instagram that I'm following and they have a recipe on it or they're having a vulnerable moment where they're saying like, yo, I had the roughest weekend. I ate like trash all weekend and I am stressed out today on Monday, but you know what the rule is? Never miss a Monday. And I'm like, you know what? That's how I'm feeling too. And now because I see someone else that's going through that, I feel like I have that support there. Even though I don't talk to this person regularly, I realize that I'm not in this by myself. So it's very, very important. And it can actually help you get through those types of hard times. And then two, like I said, a minute ago, motivation. Finding motivation is hard. And I actually interviewed one of the top trainers, one of the top black fitness professionals. And she is like, I mean, she is a beast. And 
whenever I asked her about like what her training style is, what makes her unique? And her answer was discipline. And I thought that that was so enlightening. And when she said it, I had an epiphany, like, oh my gosh, (laughs) this is exactly the words that I needed to hear. Because even though I wrote a book about goals, even though I talk about motivation every single day, and I've talked numerous times about motivating and being motivated and going to the gym and working out and staying healthy. It's the discipline that is going to help you achieve whatever the goal is that you want. And I have been seeing so many things on social media that I follow, you know, some inspirational pages and things like that. And it just seems like that word discipline has been repeated so many times. So when she said it, I was just like, I'm telling you, like, this is just fate trying to remind me that I need to be more disciplined. And that is a word that I think we need to implement into our daily routines. So if you're having a terrible day and your friend comes by and they give you a compliment or they say, hey, did you work out today? Or someone posts something and you're like, oh, well, let me go do that workout or let me try that today. You'll be surprised how you can get motivated from being around motivational people. That's a another good reason to have a strong fitness community. Three, accountability. When you are in a support system of fitness professionals and you're in a strong fitness community, you will have accountability. I can't tell you how many times I posted something like maybe on my story and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm not feeling it today. I feel like I'm staying in the bed or I might post that I'm still in the bed or I'm going to whatever. And I get so many people sending me messages like, "Uh uh-uh, no, we're not doing that today. Get up, let's roll. Come on, let's get it. Let's go, let's go. Same thing with not even fitness, but just anything in life. Whenever you have a strong community of people around you and you post about something that's going on with your life and everybody likes and comments and supports you, it feels good. It feels good to be supported and it feels good to have people give you that accountability checkpoint that you need because sometimes you need someone to say, um, you're slacking, let's get it together. Sometimes having that accountability and having someone to hold you accountable is really, really crucial to your health and wellness journey. And of course, energy, like I said just a minute ago, like energy is contagious. When someone comes up to you and they're like, yeah, let's get it, let's go, let's go. Just like with the accountability, when someone Someone saying, uh-uh, we're not slacking off today. And then when you get that positive feedback from them, like, whoa, that's a great workout. Let's go get it in today. All right, let's go. That energy is contagious. And what happens is it's like a high five. It's a virtual high five. Or if you have a fitness community of people that you work out with in the gym, I see people all the time. It's three or four people and they work out together. They push each other. That energy, that accountability, that support system is so important because they are leaning on each other. So super important to make sure that that energy is being transferred from yourself to the other person. Another reason to have a strong fitness community is inspiration. We have support, motivation, accountability, energy, and also inspiration. Either you want to inspire someone else or you want 
to be inspired by someone else, regardless of how it's reciprocated, whether you're looking at me getting inspired or I'm looking at you inspired, something that you thought was impossible and you see someone else doing it, you're like, wow, maybe I can do that. That's the key thing that I do. If you follow me on Instagram, you see that I always post videos where I'm lifting really heavy weights and people are like, okay, all right. So are you bragging about it or why are you, you know, what's the, what's the deal with the heavy weights. And I always tell people that my goal is to inspire anyone that's watching my page. If you come to my page, I want you to be motivated. I want you to be inspired and I want you to learn something from whatever I'm doing. And when you look at me coming from being a cancer survivor, coming from being a middle-aged woman, being over 40 and still trying to perform at an athletic level, like it's very hard. And I want you to look at my workouts and be like, wow, that's a challenge that I didn't even know that I could do. Or wow, if she's doing that, maybe I need to try to do that. I hope to inspire other people the way that I get inspiration from others as well. And having that support system where you may not even know that something is a goal for yourself, or maybe you have a goal and you've been struggling to figure out how to reach it. Sometimes getting in networking with different fitness professionals, they will have different techniques. Like at this fitness expo that I was at this weekend, there were every type of class possible. You want high energy, they have high energy. You wanted yoga and stretching, they had yoga and stretching. You wanted a glute class, they had a glute class. They had a twerk class. You like music, they had a step class. There was a genre of classes for whatever it is that motivates you and makes you want to get moving. You have no excuse. So I cannot wait for some of the interviews to come out and we're able to put that on the actual podcast so you guys can hear that. It was super, super cool. Make sure you follow them as well. And today's life check is basically really simple. You guys, if you've listened to any of my shows before, or you read my book day one or taken my e-course day one, you know that I have something called a life check. And what the life check is, is basically a way to stop and reiterate whatever it is that we have talked about so far and make sure that you are able to take that knowledge, take whatever it is that we talked about and implement it in your life. And today, this life check is basically be kind. You never know what someone is going through. And we see this so often, but yet we get so complacent in our lives that we forget about it. Whenever I was reading about Autism Acceptance Month, I was reminded to continue being kind because there are some times when I too, especially even as a medical professional, I too get flustered and I too may lose some of my sympathy and some of my tolerance. And it's a life check for me as well, because life is short. Life is sacred and you never know what someone is going through. You may think that someone is just acting out in a certain way and that person could actually have some type of autism. You think that someone is being lazy and they just lack motivation and they need something and someone to inspire them. So whatever it is that the person is going on, be kind, stop judging people, take this show everything that we've talked about, all the topics, implement them into your life. And of course, today, we're just talking about awareness and education for today. There's really not anything that you can necessarily implement into your life other than mental health things. Be kind, be patient, 
be inspiring, stay in a support system of people that have like values as yourself. And don't be afraid to gamble on yourself. Don't be afraid to put yourself out there and don't be afraid to push yourself and continue going beyond the fit.